Hello, and welcome to The View from the Ninian. This is the first podcast we've recorded since the Emiliano Sala tragedy. It seems almost incomprehensible to be talking about football at a time like this, but here we are. It goes without saying that the thoughts of everyone at View from the Ninian go to the friends and family of Emiliano Sala and the pilot, David Ibbotson, to everyone at FC Nantes, and of course, to everyone at Cardiff City Football Club. I think it's worth saying and acknowledging the the pride and the, the hard work and the respect that, that everyone at Cardiff City Football Club, Mehmet Dahlman, Ken Chu, Vincent Tan, and of course, Neil Warnock, have shown during this, this real tough time for everyone. And the fans too, who have come together to honour both Emiliano and David. It all came together against Bournemouth last Saturday, and I think on and off the pitch, it was a real touching and fitting tribute to both Emiliano and David. As I said, it's incomprehensible to think about football, but as they say, the show must go on, and and here we are, previewing Cardiff City's away trip to Southampton on Saturday. I'm joined today by Cardiff fan Ben Johnsy of the Southampton podcast, The Ugly Inside. Joining me today to get the Cardiff City point of view is Bluebird fan Ben Johnsy. Hi Ben, how are you? I'm good. Good stuff, good stuff. Obviously it's been it's been a tough couple of weeks uh for the club, for, for the families of um Miliana Sana and uh the the pilot that was with him and and the game against Bournemouth, um, if we look back at that, first of all was was a real emotional day, wasn't it? But um, I think the fans, the club, the players, everyone, everyone did them both proud. Yeah, it was a real coming together in the end. Um, I felt it was a great atmosphere in the stadium, especially with the the presentation put on in the Canton. It was a very good start, but um, the game itself was was very good as well. I felt the players really put passion into it, which came across well for us. Yeah, definitely. I think on on the pitch, it was probably uh, the best, if not one of the best, uh, performances of the season. And Bournemouth are, are a really good side, aren't they? They've got some really good players. I know they were missing sort of Wilson and Brooks, but still a really good side that are, you know, threatening to get into, into Europe this year. And we made them look really sort of mediocre. Definitely. Obviously, they're a team that just come off a 4-0 victory at, against Chelsea. And to beat a side like that isn't going to go down easily um, with the situation as well while it was a terrible situation they're not going to they're going to put that to one side and the football obviously is going to end up being yeah the the main point but on the day I thought Cardiff played really well it was one of the only games of the season where I felt almost a bit safe with Cardiff's defending they actually defended very well yeah. which I haven't seen too many times this season, but they came across really well in that game. And I think Nias added a lot. While he didn't score, he created so much space. Um, it, he might not, even if he since he's come in, by the end of the season, he might not get a huge amount of goals. But I'll say it now, when he does play, if you watch 
the likes of Patterson, Murphy, Reed, you watch them get a few more goals because he's only going to stretch opposition's defences and give them more space. Yeah, I think it's spot on there. And it's um, one of the things I, I sort of observed in, in the analysis this week on the site that, like I said, he stretches the play. And probably for the first time this year, Cardiff had had have an option in behind the defence, you know, an, an attacker Definitely. that's making those runs and as, as good as Callum Patterson has done. And, and this is no way a criticism of him. He he was quite a static forward in, in terms of he was one outlet going long to him, whereas Nias, although we're still going long and, you know, the possession stats against Bournemouth were still uh, highly in their favour, he offered that option in behind. And particularly when we're defending deep and the Bournemouth defence a lot were camped on the halfway line so there's all that space in their half for him to to penetrate and like you said it brings the likes of Patterson and, and Bobby Reed and whoever's on the other wing into play and, and creates opportunities for them and obviously Bobby Reed got got his two goals and doubled his tally for the season and I thought it was probably his his best game in a Cardiff shirt. Definitely he's really found his place in the team which is quite good as Warnock said in the past the reason he wasn't playing was almost he didn't fit into the style that we were playing at the time, which I understand because Patterson, as the striker, while he'd done well and he, while he didn't really want to be there, he'd done what he had to do in that position and got the, I think he's on four goals this season. He'd done, he'd done well, but he's like you said, he's, he's a static striker. He can run in behind, but he just didn't quite have the almost a finesse to be able to take the ball down and maybe even beat a man um, where when he's on the right I'm finding he's actually putting some decent crosses in he can come back and defend but then not have to worry about being short up front uh, with Reed he done he done very well in that game um, but once again like I said before I thought Nias obviously stretched the game well there was a couple of occasions where um, he really helped with opportunities for other players um, I think the one was he was put through on the right, rather than maybe trying to just hit the hit and hope into the box like we have done in the past, or taking a half-hearted shot. He held the ball up well, waited for reinforcements to come, and then found a good pass to Patterson, whose shot was sadly blocked in the end. But it was it was good play and promising play from Cardiff. Yeah, and there was, there was a couple of opportunities where he put Josh Murphy through as well, and um, yeah, really really promising and really impressed with Nias and to be honest when I watched the Newcastle game I caught on a stream and um, Nias he, he looked a bit out of place and I started to question you know was this this was obviously before we, we'd signed Salah so it was looking as though he would be our only sort of striking recruit and you know obviously with, with the tragedy of Salah he was in the end um, but he must have been you know he'd not played a lot of football he was obviously rusty and and I thought that on against Arsenal, but but definitely against Bournemouth, he he showed his sort of full full uh, full ability and what he can bring to the team. Um, and and you mentioned a little bit earlier on the defence, and I think you're right in that it's probably the first time this season where we've we've had a lead, and I've not particularly been too fearful of the other team coming back into it. Um, definitely, which has been really 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 good, and, and the defence are definitely has improved and um you know people have stepped up i think even even Lee Peltier who a lot of Cardiff fans would would probably say isn't premier league standards um w- was fantastic against both Arsenal and Bournemouth and and Joe Rawls as well so you know the players are really stepping up they're settling into the premier league and, and it's only positive um yeah it was 
with Nias, obviously, when he first came in, I mean, he had signed the day before. Like, we couldn't really have expected him to come in and bag two against Newcastle in his first game. We'd only signed a day. He didn't really know the players. He hadn't played much football. It was all, it was a bit harsh putting him in, to be honest. Um, yeah. But going on to the defence, yeah, Paltier has played a very good game the last couple of games where I feel almost our tactic change has helped him a lot because he's not forced to go forward. This is where Patterson playing on the right really does help Paltier um, at right back as well. Yeah. Because Patterson will he'll run his heart out, he'll run backwards and forwards, he will not stop all game, which means that Paltier can now sit back at right back, do his defensive duties, which he's good at, and then not have to worry about having to get forward because Patterson's always going to be there to go back and forward. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and one of the... Um... Obviously, Peltier coming in is an impact of, of Sean Morrison's injury, and the other one is, of course, Bruno Manga going into into centre half, and um, a couple of shaky moments perhaps against against Arsenal, and he's lucky not to give away more than one penalty. But against Bournemouth, and for the majority of the game, it's Arsenal, who's really solid, and him and Sol Bamba clearly have a good good relationship, and I thought they they formed a really good partnership, and it's begged a lot of uh, questions for for a lot of City fans of whether. Captain Sean Morrison comes back into the side. I mean, what's your view on that? Myself, I feel Morrison is a just, he's a bit of an inconsistent player. Um, one game he can be our best defender and the best man out on the pitch, but then the next he's the worst and he makes sometimes terrible mistakes. Um, Manga, I feel he can be a bit of a liability in the box sometimes, as we saw against Arsenal. But I feel when it comes down to the defensive side, he's a bit more consistent. And with Morrison, to be honest, if Peltier keeps performing the way he does and has that cover from Patterson, I, I can't see Morrison just jumping straight back in the side when he comes back from his injury. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a possibility. The one thing I would say is that Warnock is is very loyal to, to his players and certainly the core group of the likes of Bamber and Morrison. So I think that Whilst I, I agree, like you said, and a lot of City fans see that Morrison perhaps hasn't stepped up the Premier League as well as, as we would have thought he would compared to how well he did last season. I think he, he's so integral as, as a leader there that um, that it might see him come back in. Um, but obviously, uh, up next, Ben, is, is Southampton. Um, another really important game and it feels like we could be saying this every week that it's a six-pointer but but they really are and um, the tables have turned slightly since since the last game we played which was they just sacked Mark Hughes and um, Ralph Hasenhutl had come in and oh, we managed to squeeze that 1-0 win against um, against them with that Callum Patterson late goal but I mean they've really gone on, on a good run since then and they've climbed out of the relegation zone and we've fallen into it. So it's going to be a really tough game, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be a very tough game. I mean, very much like with Bournemouth as well. They've they've had, they've had won against Arsenal. Um, they got a draw against Man United. An unlucky an unlucky draw against Man United and all. Um, they, they've become a very good side under the new manager. Um, when we first played them, he was very fresh. He didn't really have much time to gel the side or introduce his new way so you can't really take that as well we should be expecting to win because we beat them already because it wasn't um, it was his first game so it was going to be tough for him but since then he's done very well I mean he's clawed them from what I think was 19th up to 
four or five points clear um, and they've had a very hard run as well. I think it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a game that by no means counts us out. I think we can definitely get some points out of it. Um, but they, they're going to be a tough side to come against and we just got to hope that we can take advantage of their weaknesses. Yeah, and you mentioned there about Hassan Huthel hadn't had much time and and quite often um, in football we talk about sort of the new manager bounce and, and the lift that, that a manager can have. And so for, for a lot of people, and, and we saw it with Solskjaer going into United, a lot of people think that it's almost not good to face a team after a new manager's just been appointed. But I think actually in, in the Southampton case, it's worked well for us in that he didn't quite have enough time to impose any ideas. So after that, that loss against us, he, he really has had that time and we've seen the improvement. Um, so it probably did, did work in our favour. Uh, yeah, I mean, on the first on the first time we played them, definitely. Um, it, he had no time really to imply what he, the method he uses and it, it definitely went our way. Um, like, I mean, you look at the, cent- the centre-back that made the mistake against Patterson, I think his name is Vestergaard. Yeah. Uh, he's he has improved under this new manager and I don't think we maybe I don't think we'll be getting chances on a plate like we did in that one mm-hmm. um, but yeah the manager is really really coming well and has improved the team a lot so we'll be seeing a different Southampton when we face them on the weekend yeah definitely and I think one of the um, things that, that Southampton fans I've, I've read have been really pleased about is getting the best out of players that were perhaps underperforming the likes of Nathan Redmond and James Ward-Prowse and players like that that really do have the the ability to cause size problems and and they started to do that the last last few games and um, I think Redmond scored a, a really good goal the other day and they're the types of players that, that Cardiff needs to be looking out for if we're going to pick up any points from this game. 100% we need to be making sure that we can have a defensive display against them the same we did Bournemouth. Um, keep out their fast attacking players because they've, they've got some good players going forward. Um, the one thing we can try and do is, obviously, the, defensively, they've got, like, Sebastian Gard, who hopefully Bobby Reed and the ass, who were very good at getting behind in the last game, can try and sort of get past them. I know for that best guy, he's a very tall player. While he's a good defender, he probably is turning circle to try and get back to someone, maybe not the best and maybe that's something that we need to attack try and get in the ass and read constantly running in behind on them I think that would probably for me be the best way to attack them yeah and for the, probably the first time this season um, I mentioned on Twitter the, the Neil Warnock has a selection headache and you know probably our two best players or, or um, highest perhaps earning or stature well-known players in, in Harry Arter and Victor Camarasa were both missing against Bournemouth and do they come back into the side? It's, it's, it's a real headache for Warnock, and considering the likes of Rawls and Gunnarsson and, and Bobby Reid did so well, um, would you bring them back in? Um, it's a tough one. Um, myself, I wouldn't. If Cam Rass is going to be coming back in, it would have to be for Bobby Reid um, at number 10, which for me isn't an option I would take for the Southampton game. Um, I think in a in the centre mid role, he just didn't really have the defensive ability. Um, the likes of 
Arthur or even Rouse has um, Kamaras. I found he got very much caught in possession, uh, caught going forward a bit too much, which wasn't really the best for him. So I think if he's going to play, he's got to play number 10. Harry Arthur, for me, I, I, I would see Harry Arthur come in um, only because the way he can, as we've seen on multiple occasions this season, he can intercept the ball high up the pitch. I feel if there's anyone you want to intercept the ball and get get a quick ball through onto the likes of Niaz or Reed, I think Arthur's going to be very good at creating that sort of play, mm-hmm. and he is good. He's very good defensively and can go forward when he needs to. So I, I would like to see Harry Arthur come back in, but I think Camarasa would have to sit this one out. It's a big big call for me personally. I think that I think I'd bring I'd bring uh, Arthur in for for Rouse and. It, harsh on uh, Joe Rawls and he, he's really showed that he has settled in into the Premier League the last couple of games but but I think Art has been one of our best players this year and and I think that he adds he had so much and, and Rawls is a great option off the bench and and I'd actually bring Camarasa in as well but I'd actually bring him in for for Josh Murphy and perhaps play him on the left where where he might have a bit more space to, to drift in field and, and I think Bobby Reed has to stay in that number 10 and it's almost uh, shoehorn in Camarasa in, which, which seems bonkers considering he was our, well, he is our most creative player and has been our best player this year. Um, we're two points out of outside uh, of safety. With we're on twenty two points. Burnley and Southampton both on twenty four points. How do you see the rest of the season season shaping out, Ben? Do you, do you think we'll be okay? Um, it's going to be a tough one. There's a lot of important games coming up and it's whether or not we can continue um, to perform the way, for instance, the way we did against Bournemouth or if we do end up slumping back into um, the way we were the last few games before that. I think it's, it's definitely going to be a tough one. It's, it's, not, it's not one you can call for. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people, including a lot of Cardiff fans, have already written us off. I wouldn't do that by any means, but I do feel and be very hard um, but myself either way if we if we do stay up that would be absolutely outstanding but if we were to go down myself I'm not too worried because I feel if we do go down we're going to have a, a top side next season that should be pushing sort of top six um, we haven't bought too many players that myself I could see just jumping ship straight away. Obviously, we'll lose the lone players like Nias, Arta, Camarasa, but you've still got a very solid midfield in then Rowles, Patterson, um, and then play, the players we bring in as well. So I do feel we're going to have a good side next year, whether it's in the Premier League or in the Championship. Yeah, spot on. Ben, it's been, been really good to talk to you today. Finally, before I let you go, what is your score prediction? My score prediction is going to be um, I think there's going to be a repeat. I'm going to say two 0 Cardiff. Perfect. Well, well, fingers crossed that you're you're spot on. Ben, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, my Twitter is at Bluebirds United, or um, I think it's at Bluebirds the because of the way it came out. But that's that's my Twitter. Perfect. And uh, well, yeah. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we'll chat to you soon. Thank you. As always on View from the Ninian, we get the inside track from the opposition. Joining me this week to give the Southampton point of view is Freddie from the Oakley Inside. Hi Freddie. 
Hey, mate, how's it going? Yes, not too bad, thanks. How are you? Yeah, feeling good. Uh, you know, Saints are on the up, unbeaten in 2019, and we're feeling, I suppose, uh, slightly confident ahead of the weekend. It's been quite a turnaround for you, hasn't it, since the last time we spoke and the last time the sides faced each other, and, and that was Hassan Huzel's first game uh, in charge, and, and you just sacked Mark Hughes, and, and the Saints weren't in particularly a good place, were they? But there's been quite the turnaround since then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the the game at the Cardiff City Stadium back in December, he only had two days to train the squad. And by all means, for the most part, it was they were quite resilient. You know, we got stuck in, but ultimately it was once again a, 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 an individual mistake that let us down, which is, I suppose, those individual mistakes have been eradicated uh, since then. We haven't seen too many, not at all. Well, I suppose errors leading two goals, but Ralph has got the team working hard. The, the, the training has been intensified. You know, we've seen a couple of players that really were totally overlooked under Mark Hughes and some previous managers really becoming the star of the show at the moment. And, you know, Nathan Redmond was doing well individually um, whilst Mark Hughes was here, but Ralph Hasenhut was taking him to the next level. And, and that's ultimately what Ralph has done so well. He's got the best out of, I suppose, the potential uh, the the team that we, we seem to sort of uh, give them a reputation of. When you compare where Southampton are now to where you were under Mark Hughes, is it is it bizarre to look at it as the same team? You know, there's such differences that that it's, it's it doesn't look like the same team. Yeah, the the, the contrasts are, are stark. Um, had we stuck with Mark Hughes, um, you know, since December, I think we would have been well and truly in the muck. I think Ralph came in at the right time and he's done exactly what he needed to do. You know, despite us sort of, uh, you know, sending out some senior players in, in the January window, you know, those are players that the attitude, uh, I suppose, were questioned. Some of them were footballing reasons as well to, to get some players moved on and perhaps, you know, even business reasons as well. But... Had we stuck with Mark Hughes, we would have been almost a cert for relegation. Yeah, and since that, since that loss to Cardiff, you, you, I think it's only two league games that, that you've lost, uh, the one against Man City and the one against West Ham. Um, and, you know, that, that's incredible form for, for a side, you know, in a relegation fight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean those two games, it would, the games were coming thick and fast over Christmas and I suppose our squad was stretched to the limit. And by all means, we made a good account of ourselves. You know, obviously, uh, we had to, uh, you know, field what we had left of the squad. Uh, we're playing sort of, you know, every three days or so. But, you know, we've seen a couple of youngsters uh, really make a mark on the first team, especially Jan Valerie, who actually I want to pick out um, in a recent interview. He, he admitted, actually, your lad, uh, Josh Murphy, he he caused Valerie all sorts of problems down at the Cardiff City Stadium back in December. But Valerie stepped up. Cedric has left, and uh, you know, I mean, it's we've also seen true recognition of 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 Hasenhutl, uh for the month of January, unbeaten in 2019. You know, a couple of wins, a few draws, and uh, I think almost I think ask nine out of ten, almost 99% of the fan base are, are certainly confident we will stay up now. And it's uh, I, I was speaking earlier to to a Cardiff fan for for our sort of section of the, of the preview, and we were talking about the new manager bounce, and and quite often teams or fans will talk about you know that game a first man, a manager's first game in charge you you don't want to play them you know you, you you're going to get beaten because you know players step up to improve the new manager or all this, but 
it's almost been the opposite for, for Southampton, hasn't Hootsall, and, and actually it was probably the best time for Cardiff to play them because of the run you've gone on since then, um, and he, he's had the time to sort of embed his ideas, it was probably a good time for us to play you last time around. Um, yeah, I think so. Well, like I say, I mean, the, the, the training has been intensified and, and I, really, I suppose he asked too much for the squad uh, in that game in December. But, you know, it, it's taken a while for the players to buy into the philosophy, but to buy into the approach. And, you know, finally, we're getting results. Uh, finally, you know, I think it's the first time in a couple of years I've seen a manager of Southampton Football Club be uh, nominated for the Player of the Month. Uh, so, yeah, player of the month as well, actually. James Will Prowse has been uh, nominated this month, scoring a couple of goals. And he, play, he in particular, uh, he's, ta- he's taken a lot of stick over the years. You know, he's played over 200 appearances, but never really put a foot in and sort of cemented his first team place. But under Ralph, he looks sort of, uh, you know, one of the first names on the team sheet. You know, he's he's changed his, uh, I suppose, his game now. People said that he didn't have too much of a ruthless side, but, you know, he, he, we saw him get under the skin of Wilf Zaha a couple of weeks ago and, you know, scoring some important goals as well. But, you know, uh, I think at the weekend, uh, I think our home support will be right behind uh, the, the team as well. Yeah, looking back at, at the January transfer window, and obviously it's uh, a good chance for... Um clubs to improve and, and, and do, do the business but Southampton didn't do do much not definitely not in terms of, of arrivals or incoming in January was that a disappointment for the fan base or expected? Well here's the thing I think we, we ran a poll actually across sort of uh, our, our pages and, and actually you know quite a few fair a few of us sort of uh, voted you know uh, wait till uh, the summer save it to the summer sort of thing and I don't think we I suppose we we didn't want to snap by. We didn't want to panic by like like we did last year. I mean, Carrillo, we broke our, our transfer record last year, and it never really paid off. He played half a dozen games, provided an assist, but that was about it. He was totally overlooked under Mark Hughes, and, and obviously this season has been shipped out as well. So I think the approach this time round, this winter, is that um, you know we definitely didn't want to splash the cash, and, and I think certainly by all means we didn't have much to spend anyway. And I think it was widely reported that we have to sell before we can buy. So, I mean, this window was all about sort of balancing the books a bit, you know, getting rid of some dead wood. Uh, and like I say, you know, some people have been moved on, some people have moved on for footballing reasons or attitude problems. So, remains to be seen which is which. But uh, to be honest. I, I'm 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 satisfied with it with the squad that we've got and you know believe in the philosophy believe in the approach and and believe in the manager you know getting the best out of these youngsters and which we haven't seen in a few years so you know I think we're we're all still positive despite you know no signings in in, in the window. Yeah, you mentioned there about about bringing the youngsters through and and that's definitely been you know in the last decade if not more part of the Southampton DNA and 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 under Hughes and slightly before that. It, Southampton slightly lost that, hadn't they? So it must be great as a fan, and, and I'm guessing the fan base really believe in that that DNA to see that coming back under Hassan Hootel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got a spot on there, really. I mean, the slogans around the training camp, and you know, the the the, the stadium is the Southampton way, believing into the youngsters, you know, blooding them through, developing them into you know professionals, into world class players. And, you know, like you say, uh, we lost the identity under Mark Hughes, under Pellegrino, and perhaps to some extent under, under uh, I suppose, Ronald Koeman as well, because he wanted to buy in sort of ready-made players. But, 
Puel gave a couple of youngsters a chance, but we're not really seen too much of them over the last couple of years. So it's really great to see uh, the manager put faith back in the youngsters. We've seen a few of the youngsters, you know, not being given any sort of chance and perhaps too many of them loaned out to, uh, to you know, division, I suppose, League One and, and championship clubs. But, you know, we've got a, a good group of youngsters coming through. They, 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 they're getting priceless experience, um, you know, dropping into the first team. And perhaps even some of them may stick uh, into the uh, you know into next season, so we certainly have faith. And we, we've talked very positively there, you know, the last couple of minutes about uh, the current state of, of of the club since Hassan Hussle has come in. Looking at the table, Southampton are still only two points uh, outside the, the the relegation zone. Obviously, Cardiff in that eighteenth place. If Southampton lose, uh, which obviously I hope they do on the weekend, and, and Burnley also win, you could drop into into the relegation zone, which perhaps put in, into perspective how bad the first half of the season under Mark Hughes was. But but there's still that real danger of of, of being sort of dro- dragged into the relegation zone, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if Cardiff do win, you leapfrog us at the weekend. You know, puts a little bit of pressure on us because of a couple, a couple of tough fixtures coming up after the I suppose the FA Cup break. Uh, we've got Arsenal away, and then we've got, uh, I think, Tottenham a few weeks after that. And then I suppose at the end of the month is Fulham at home as well as a huge, huge game. But if we win at the weekend, I think it, it starts to create a gap. And I suppose it puts pressure on you guys to start picking up some points. You know, uh, Burnley, uh, I suppose they, they'll, they'll start hitting some form as well. But I think what we ultimately need to do is, is start cutting you know, the bottom three teams adrift. Start putting points on the board, and 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 if let's say at five o'clock on Saturday we're five points, I think most of us, should we win against Fulham, would say, from March we're coasting. I think I think you know perhaps a little bit too to say that, but you know that's the positivity that's really sort of struck home across the fan base. And looking forward to to Saturday's game. Um, How is it viewed down there? You mentioned that um, you know quietly confident that, that that you can pick up three points and. And I guess the good run of form attributes to that. Yeah, so I think uh, actually speaking to uh, Beth and uh, from from your podcast the other day, actually I think you know uh, both of us agree and both sets of fans. This is a six pointer. I wouldn't say it's, it's not quite a, a must win, but certainly a six pointer for us. You know, to to start to create a gap. I think should we win, it's so important for us. It, I suppose it could also define the season. Uh, for I guess for, for us, you know, moving forward to the end of the year uh, and end of the campaign, but this game is huge. Uh, uh, Clive's on our on our show said, you know, this is one of a few cup finals we've got for the rest of the season, starting with Cardiff, then the games against Fulham and Huddersfield in the last game of the season. Hopefully, we're safe by then, but this is certainly one of them and a huge six points. Uh, I suppose six pointer game for us uh, to move uh, away from the uh, bottom three. And going into the game, we mentioned that. That Hasnuzel hadn't had much time in in the sort of reverse leg to put his stamp on the team, but but what can Cardiff fans expect from from this new look Southampton side? What should we look out for? I suppose who you should like look out for. We've already spoke about what James Ward Prowse really starting to hit the ground running, but another chap for me, you know, uh, huge stick as well uh, over the last couple of years. Nathan Redmond is starting to become a fine player. You know, six goals in the last ten games under Ralph. Uh, and really, truly becoming, you know, fulfilling his potential that, you know, everybody sort of seems to sort of talk about. Redmond, he, he plays with his head high, takes 
focus on players. And he actually admitted that in a couple of interviews. You know, he used to play with a bit of fear, struggling to sort of take on players, but his confidence is sky high, scoring, you know, every other game now. And and he as well is one of the first names on the team sheet and, you know, in line perhaps to win the Player of the Year award, which is unprecedented perhaps, you know, sort of last season. People just loved uh, Loved a scapegoat, and he was certainly one of them. So Nathan Redmond is a danger man. He'll break through, take the players on, uh, perhaps look out for his goals from range as well. And I suppose I could say, you know, the injury news to uh, Danny Ings, he will be missing at the weekend. So perhaps that's, our, I suppose, our pivot up front. The main source of goals, uh, I suppose you could say, isn't there. But Redmond is a star man, and he's, he's scoring, uh, you know, recently to make up for it. And Pep Guardiola must be delighted to see, uh, see the change in Redmond's game. Yeah, I mean, there was a, you know, there, there was a picture doing rounds. Actually, there was a, a, you know, picture when we got hammered three 0 at Newcastle last year or West Ham. Either one of those, both terrible performances. But <laughs> he's there with his sort of head in his hands, you know, looking down at the floor. Partly down to the performance, but partly down to his confidence as well. You know, I think it all started in the summer when he went away to this individual training camp, put his head down, you know, worked hard, came back fresh, faster, you know, stronger, and he's really started to kick you know, kick on under Ralph and he's starting to unlock his true potential. So definitely, definitely the one to look out for. And like I said, he's meant got those sort of uh, long range goals. And just before I let you go, Freddie, ahead of the weekend, what's your score prediction? Well, you know, I say I'm, I'm quite positive and, and I think we've got enough what it takes to, to get a win. I think we'll still concede and perhaps you might get uh, one of your new, I suppose, Nias might get on the, uh, on the score sheet or Murphy, but uh I think we'll score two. Carl, if I score one, we'll get the three points. Um, sorry, chaps. <laughs> well, I would expect nothing less. It'll be a tight game, like you said. I, I think it might might end in a draw. I'll take that. A 1-1 draw. Point away Diplomatic. From yeah. <laughs> well, Freddie, uh, thanks for joining us again and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, cheers, mate. And all the best. Hopefully we speak again next season. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> cheers. Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening to View from the Ninian. We're for fans, by fans. You can catch more like this at viewfromtheninian.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, so make sure you check us out. Come on, city.